when I walked on stage for Let It Go at the, uh, the fundraiser, everybody just started laughing. I, just, I don't know. I didn't do anything. I just walked on stage and people were laughing at me. And it's like, I don't know if this is good or bad, but it, it was a thing. Yeah, it's not very often you see anybody in the cape, <laughs> let alone a redhead. Uh, we are in another week of a series uh, that we just started last week called Created. In this series, we are talking about who God created us to be, and our goal is to use Scripture to guide our identity and how we live our lives. So I personally think that if we live our lives in a way that is consistent with how God created us to live, then we will be generally better off. And we will be uh, more satisfied as people. So I want to share with you this morning some statistics that point to the cultural norms of our society, a norm that I think we need to push back against a little bit. So I'm, I'm going to share some facts with you this morning. Hopefully I don't put you to sleep. But I think they're pretty enlightening. First of all, I want to survey the room. How many of you guys have ever worked a job? Okay. Sarah, what job do you have? Okay. She was a greeter this morning. You were? Okay. Greeter this morning. <laughs> so for those of you who aren't old enough yet to quite enter the workforce, you may have experienced some of these things just by living in a family and, and seeing people around you. But if, if you've worked, then you probably have an understanding of what I'm about to say, okay? So here is a graph that I think is very interesting. This graph shows the mandatory amount of paid vacation and paid holidays in countries. All right, so the dark blue is the amount of paid vacation days, the light blue is the amount of paid holidays that people have by country. And you'll notice that I think it's Spain right here is, the, is number one at 39. 39 mandatory, governmentally mandated paid vacation days altogether. That, that means if you were in Spain and you worked, this is for full-time employees. So it changes a little bit for country to country depending on part-time work. But for full-time employees, if you worked in Spain, that means 10% of your year would be paid vacation. Kind of crazy, right? So this graph was, yeah, you, some of you are thinking about moving now. So this graph was put together in 2019. Um, and many of the countries here are somewhere between the 20 and 30 uh, mark days. And if you've worked in the United States, you'll, you'll probably have a stark contrast to your experience compared to this graph. And you'll notice that the U.S. is not on this chart. I left it off on purpose to build suspense and fun. <laughs> so are there any guesses? How many uh, mandatory paid days off um, and holidays does the United States have? You said five or six? Zero. Zero. Mandatory days. Anybody else? Any other guesses? Five. Five-ish? Okay. Okay. You guys ready? Zero! The answer is zero. 
The United States does not require employers to pay to offer their employees any paid time off. This is for full-time employees. Any paid time off or paid... Are you trying to riot back there, Nene? <laughs> Start a coup? In fact, the United States is the only country... You may not even know this is a thing. The Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development. I'm sure you guys are all up to date on what they're doing. Anyway, it's a, uh, it's a conglomerate of 38 countries that really invest and promote global trade. Very wealthy, big countries. The United States is the only country in the Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development that does not have mandatory days off that are paid. This means that if you work for a company in the United States, you could work for 20, 30, 40 years and, the, and your employer wouldn't have to give you any paid time off. It's just crazy. And sure, many companies do. They do offer paid time off, but there aren't any regulations about that. Um, and if you've worked in the U.S. for long enough, you probably have a little bit of sense of how this has worked. Um, and there's also a more uh, interesting trend here about working vacation. And it's been this way, this way with the zero days off for so long. I think it's kind of built a mentality of, of a work and vacation and time off. And I think we see this trend specifically in this study. It was done in 20, 2018 by the U.S. Travel Association, Oxford Economics, and Ipsos. They found that 55% of the U.S. employees did not use all of their paid time off in 2018, which equated to a staggering 760 million PTO days that were went unused in 2018. And this study also found that 28 million Americans, full-time employees, do not have any paid time off offered by their companies. And so this same study asked people, why people weren't taking their time off. Like, if you're not using all of your time off, why not? Well, first of all, people felt like they couldn't adequately disconnect from work while on vacation. They felt like they couldn't uh, be relaxed and they couldn't actually connect with loved ones, so why take the time off? They anticipated negative outcomes such as feeling stressed or having financial burdens because of the vacation time. And there are also unspoken expectations that people cited about work culture from employees. They, they felt like they were falling behind in work. They felt like they were letting their teammates down. They thought that um, they would be looked down upon by bosses if they took more time off than someone else. And they felt pressure from their coworkers to stay and work. And a third of these workers reported that they were expected to answer... Oh, I didn't realize that this dark gray was going to be so black. Uh, it is a circle. It's a pie chart. A third of workers reported that they were expected to answer phone calls or texts from work while on vacation. Like expected, like the company said, if you're going on vacation, this is what you need to do. And a quarter reported that they were expected to work, uh, answer work uh, emails. And almost half of the people employees surveyed said that they had to work at least one hour a day while on vacation. All of this to be said... I think the United States has a very obvious and deeply ingrained anti-rest problem. I'm sure I'm not the only one who has felt the pressure from our culture to continually be working, producing, and consuming, right? It's literally 
a badge of honor to be busy and tired. Because it shows people that you're worthy. Like, oh, you're busy and tired. I guess that means you're doing things. That's a good thing, right? So if someone comes up to you in public that you know, and they ask you how you're doing, what might you say? Busy. Busy, tired, or good. Like, you got three options, right? Or live in the dream, maybe. You could say that. <laughs> Interesting to think about, isn't it? It's good for us to be tired. It's good for us to be busy. It's good for us to have so much to do that there's hardly any time to do anything else. That is what America says is good. Is it supposed to be this way, though? Did God create us to be busy all the time? Hardly ever taking a break or only breaking when we can't seem to handle anymore, like when we're absolutely crushed, like at the end of our rope. I don't think so. I think God has created us to rest. And we're going to look at that today. As with this whole series, we're going to be starting off in Genesis. That's our jump off point. So go ahead and turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. So we looked at the sixth day of creation last week when we were created in God's image. And we looked at how God made us to rule over his creation. Today we're going to be looking at the final day of creation. And while it might not be as exciting as describing the stars coming into existence or the land being separated from the sea, it does, this day specifically, the seventh day, holds a very significant place in Scripture. Let's go ahead and read Genesis chapter 2, 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts. By the seventh day, God completed his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. The word rested in Hebrew is the same root word that we uh, know as Sabbath. It sounds more like Shabbat in Hebrew. You probably are familiar with this. And if you know anything about Sabbath, you probably are starting to draw conclusions and connections here. We'll get there in a minute. But it's really important to know that uh, this word can fairly be translated rest, as it is here in Genesis 2. But it has a a kind of a different connotation. It actually means to cease from activity or to, to stop all exertion. right? And I think that's an important distinction to make because the word rest implies that you got tired. Right? The word rest implies that you can't do anything more, that you're exhausted. But God doesn't get tired. God, God didn't get exhausted from creation. It's not like he created everything. It's like, oh, I literally can't do anything more. I do have to take a day off. Isaiah 40, 28 says that God doesn't get tired. Okay? He just categorically is an infinite being with infinite power and will and energy to do things. Okay? So he didn't get tired. He chose to rest. He decided to rest. And that makes the seventh day, I think, very special. And if God chose to rest, then maybe we can choose to rest too. And the rest of Scripture, because this day is so special, it becomes a very obvious point um, that other things are based off of. And we'll get to that in a second. But Genesis 2-3 is interesting as well. It says that God blessed the seventh day and he sanctified it. Now, you may be more familiar with the word 
holy instead of sanctified, but it means the same thing. And the word holy just means unique or set apart. That means he created this day to be special for him, and he created it to be special for his people. And I think it's from this foundation that God sets in Genesis, right here that we're reading. And he uses this day, this example, to build a covenant with his people much later in the book of Exodus. Right? And he also sets a foundation for understanding life. Go ahead and turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. We're going to take a look at that. It's just one book over, but it's hundreds and thousands of years in difference of time between Genesis and Exodus. It's amazing. You just flip through so much history right there. In Exodus chapter 20, it's, it's important for us to know where it's coming from. So these verses cover the Israelite people coming out of Egypt, coming out of slavery, and coming out of slavery to Pharaoh. They were under his authority. And in this time period in history, the Israelites were known for what they could produce. Or that's how they were valued anyway by Egypt, right? They were slaves. They were there to labor, which means their value, the Israelites' value, was directly tied to how much they could make and how much they could do. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Does it remind you maybe of a country you live in? Right? And so these people coming out of Egypt, they're not following God anymore, or Pharaoh anymore. They're starting to follow God. And God wants them to know a new way. What does it mean to follow God? So he's given them a new way to think, a new way to be, a new way to be his people. And in the midst of telling them this, is, this is the Ten Commandments here that we're reading out of. He says this, look at verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. So the day of rest, the seventh day. Remember this day and make it special, make it unique. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath, a rest of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your sons or your daughter, your male or female servant, your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day, the Sabbath, and made it holy. Here God is given the Ten Commandments, like we said, and the reason he's saying that this is the way it is is because of the example he set back in creation. God is telling us to take a break once in a while, once a week actually, here specifically, and to set that day apart, knowing that what he created in God's image, man, is supposed to be like him in some ways. So why does it surprise us if God rested on the seventh day that he would want us to rest occasionally as well? So we're talking about our creator, we're talking about his creation, we're talking about the similarities, and we're talking about rest. Honestly, again, not that he needed to rest, but he chose to rest and to make that day special and set apart. I think that's true for us as well. We don't always have to rest, right? A full average, a full-grown average adult certainly has the ability to work for more than seven days in a row, right? Physically, we have that ability, but we can also choose to lay down our work and rest as well. God didn't want Israel 
just to kick up their feet and relax once a week either. That's not what this was all about. He wanted them to dedicate this time to him, to build a relationship with him, to worship him, and to stop everything else and remember him. And this verse in Exodus shows us that following God, importantly, shows us that following God is different from following Pharaoh. And I think that applies to any so-called pharaohs we may have today, whether it be the pharaohs of our culture, whether it's the pharaohs of ourselves. Culture may say that you need to work, take no days off. Your value is tied in what you can produce. And we may say we have to feel like we keep working to prove ourselves, that we need, some, we need to keep going because we have something to do. Our, our value to others is in our usefulness, Right? But stopping on purpose shows us that our value isn't, in God's eyes, isn't tied to what we produce, achieve, or consume. Which I think is extremely liberating. Here's a good quote from Walter uh, Ruderman about this point. In our own contemporary context of the rat race of anxiety, the celebration of Sabbath is an act of both resistance and alternative. It is resistance because it is a visible insistence that our lives are not defined by the production and consumption of commodity goods. It takes a deep breath and just go, that feels nice. That feels nice. If only the people in our generation could grasp that, this godly truth, that God doesn't value us for our production, I think we would be different. There wouldn't be as much pressure to keep pushing And God says that we need to stop occasionally. Now, I don't even mishear me. I'm not saying that we should not work. I'm not saying that work is wrong. That doesn't mean loving your job is wrong. It doesn't mean that being driven by tasks and wanting to produce good things is wrong. Because we can find purpose in what we do and make. I know that for men specifically, I I feel a great sense of satisfaction when I can do something for someone else, when I can make something. And I, and I think just to humanity in general, it's something deep within us. When we do work and produce good things, it, it speaks to who we're created to be. And we're going to talk about that next week. All right? So work isn't bad. And on the other hand, taking this idea of rest and like, oh, God just wants us to relax all the time. If you take it that way, That turns into laziness, and the Bible speaks out against that as well. So we need to distinguish, and this is also a kind of an important part of the conversation, we need to distinguish what the Old Covenant means by Sabbath and how that worked with the Israelites, and then how do we navigate that today as Christians. Because to Israelites in the Sabbath, it was a ritual day, right? It was a part of the covenant that they were in with God. And by the time that Jesus came on the scene, Sabbath had turned into this legalistic tradition that was more of a burden than an actual gift. All right, so the Jews had every detail imaginable lined up for this day. They, they could mandate how much you could carry, how many steps you could take, how far you could walk to technically still not be working in the Sabbath. And that's no fun, right? That's not what God had intended for his day. And I, that diverts from what God originally intended. What God wanted this day to be is a day of celebration, a day to focus on him to remember that he is the most important thing in our week. So what I see in scripture is that Christ has set us free from the law. 
and we're now under grace, which means that we're not held by the old covenant anymore. We don't have to keep the Sabbath and the sacrifices and circumcision the way that the Israelites did. But I think there's value in seeing this time in our week that is set apart and dedicated to God, where we stop the busyness of life and focus on what's actually really important, and that is God and his values. The world says that we can rest when we get our to-do list done. And that be, might be one of the most destructive lies there is, because guess what? The to-do list never gets done. There's always more to do, Aaron. Always more to do. So if we go with that approach, you can rest when you get everything done. Guess what? You're never going to rest. Well, you will once you hit your wall. You're going to crash. If we don't make God and rest a priority, we will work ourselves to death, and we may end up actually worshiping our work instead of him. So let's take a few points here. First of all, realize that rest is built into creation. So don't feel bad. From the foundation of the world, God set a day apart and rested, not because he was tired, but because he wanted to make that day special. He wanted it to have intention and uniqueness. God then used this day to set an example for his people in the Old Covenant, and I think that we can learn a valuable lesson from that. Think how different our culture would see if all, if all the Christians, for example, were just like, oh yeah, we're like Chick-fil-A, no work on Sunday. That would, that would be different. That would show pretty significant uh, dedication to what God is doing. And I'm not saying that we need to be legalistic and keep, like take a whole day off and not work. That's not helpful. But I think it's important for us to make rest a part of our week. I think that making rest a part of our week has a myriad of benefits. First, it shows us that we aren't tied to what we produce, that we aren't our jobs. We're beyond that. It reminds us that God is really important to us, enough for us to focus on him and set everything else aside. And on a scientific level, this is just purely the cherry on top. Studies show that resting builds healthier lives. It increases your happiness and satisfaction, your longevity in your job, and your ability to work when you are working. And then here's maybe some tips of how you can actually implement this in your life. Stop, rest, contemplate, and delight. I tried to come up with a fun acronym for it, but that's just a maybe strict, but that doesn't sound right. So, first of all, just stop working. That might be harder than you think. Because what do we define as work? Because what I think is what usually happens is we work and then we take our days off to get all the work done that we couldn't do during our work times. So what really is stopping to work for you may look different than someone else. But just stop. Literally just stop working. And then take some time to actually rest. Give yourself a break. Not just from work, but maybe even from the consumption of media and entertainment. Right? Our brain is always going and always needs to be consuming, and that's what our culture tells us. So stop and rest. Actually, give yourself a break. Which I think then leads to actually the ability to contemplate. And this is something I don't think we dedicate enough time to. We don't really spend enough time in God's word 
if we are if we are reading our Bibles, we are praying. We're usually rushing through it. Like, okay, I gotta read. I feel this way sometimes in the morning. Be a good Christian. I gotta read my three Bibles and highlight stuff. My three chapters, not my three Bibles. My three chapters and, and highlight my stuff. And I put my marker back in. I go, yep, okay, I'm done for the day. That is not being present with God. I mean, it's certainly better than not reading your Bible. But to contemplate, to, to sit in prayer in Scripture, and maybe that also looks like listening to a podcast on faith or a sermon topic that you're really interested in. Something that just puts you in the mindset of what does God value and what is my relationship with him and just actually sit in that and contemplate. You can't really do that unless you block out time for it, which is a part of this idea. And then the last thing I think really important is to delight. God has created some pretty amazing things in people. If you just look outside in beautiful colors of fall, there are people you love as well. There are things you enjoy doing. It's okay to delight in the things that God has created for us. To take some time specifically and say, wow, God. I feel like that's like something from the VPS. Like, wow, God. Wow, God. You're pretty amazing. And thank you for creating me stuff that I can enjoy. Thank you for giving me time to enjoy it. I think we've miscalculated our values in this world, especially in the United States. There are a lot of other important things in life than just working, and taking time to stop reminds us of that. So this week, and in weeks to come, I challenge you to actually schedule time to stop. That may sound really tricky or nearly impossible, but try it. It may even sound crazy, but try it. I think you will find that your connection to God and this time will be extremely meaningful and freeing for you. So come join me next week as we study work and how God created us to work and the ways that he created us to work. Please pray with me. God, I thank you for another opportunity and another week to join together as a family. And I pray that you allow us to actually stop and spend some time with you. To think about who you are and to delight in the things that you created. To rest. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.